0: I am so excited to be with you today. And I've got a key verse that I want you to turn with me in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. We'll be reading from the book of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. It says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Would you turn to that person next to you and say, God with us? Come on, would you say it to the person beside you? Say, God with us. With, to be accompanied by, to go with, to be present, to provide God with us. I want to take a moment and help you understand the significance of this moment in history. As the angel comes to Joseph, the messenger of God, and says, do not put Mary away. Do not put her away. Because what's happened inside of her Is from Almighty God. God himself is coming to be with humanity. And you will call him Emmanuel because God is with us. The impact of that statement is so supernatural that I have to take a moment and explain it to you. Backing up thousands of years to the very beginning of time in the book of Genesis chapter 1, God created all things. And when it comes to you and me, it says it like this in verse 27 of Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. When you look back in this passage, you find that God began to create the earth. And he spoke spoken into existence, land. And it came about. He took the stars and he threw them across the expanse and called it the Milky Way. He looked down on this earth and he spoke trees into existence and by his spoken word, the trees began to rumble up from the ground. He told the ocean where to be, where to stop, where to limit itself. He spoke animals into existence and birds and fish of the sea. And then on that sixth day, the Bible recalls that he takes the dirt of the earth and he forms it into the form of a man, and to his own image, the Bible says. And then he took his lips, and he pressed it against that mud form, and he breathed into man the breath of life. <gasps> and the Bible says that man became a living being. God breathed his essence into the man, and then he looked at the man, and he said, "This is the only thing that does not have completion." I will extract from the man and make him a woman so that the two can be complete because man is incomplete. All the creatures had a mate, but man had not. And in that moment, God created male and female. He created them and he prepared a place for them. We call it paradise. The scripture calls it a place of beauty and wonder. And every moment of the day, God was with them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He engaged with them face to face. He held hands with them as they walked naked, unbeknownst to them, in, in the beautiful garden. They walked and they engaged and they spoke and they had habitation. Can you imagine? There were no thorns, there were no storms. The sun did not beat down on their skin. And caused them to have burns. Their skin did not dry out. Their flesh did not have difficulty. The mosquitoes did not suck blood from them. The T-Rex bowed down before them and never thought once of potentially harming them. The pterodactyl flew across the air, grabbed fruit from this tree and dropped it in the lap of Adam and Eve. They live in perfection. Perfection. There were no storms, there was no no depression, no loneliness, no insecurity, no debating, no fighting, no war, no conflict, no sickness, no disease. They were perfect in God's image and life was perfect because God was with them. If a thorn thought about growing, just the mere presence of God would hold that back. If the T-Rex even had a moment of thinking, I will rip their heads off. It never could cross his mind because God's presence was there. For in God, all things are perfect. In God, there is no sickness. There is no disease. His very essence keeps every bit of wickedness at bay. Until that fateful moment when Lucifer came in the form of a serpent And spoke into the lies that Adam and Eve would believe. Did God say that you can eat of everything in the garden? Yes, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he has told us not to take thereof. Oh, he only says that because he's worried that you will be like him. Taste and see that the fruit is good. And in Adam and Eve's disobedience, something happened to paradise, to their perfection, In their disobedience, sin came in. Sin, the seed of wickedness, of brokenness, of destruction. In that moment of disobedience, in that moment of selfishness, in that moment of foreboding and pushing away what God had desired, they brought on themselves destruction. The Bible says that God comes looking for them in the cool of the day. To have their daily walk. Can you imagine walking with God at the end of your job every day around your neighborhood? Can you imagine as you walk with God that cars on the highways literally swerve around you? Can you imagine walking with God past a graveyard and all the dead people begin to rise? Because sickness and death and disease and destruction cannot be nigh him. Whatever he touches comes to perfection for he is the living God. In this moment walking through, where are you guys? Where are you? And the Bible says that they had hid themselves and they called out. We are hiding ourselves because we are naked. And God said, who told you you were naked? How do you know these things? How has wickedness come inside of you? Did you eat of the fruit that I forbade you? Yes, we did. Started the blame game. And the Bible tells us that in this moment, God has to extract himself from humanity. Why does he have to extract himself from humanity? Because the sin that's inside Adam and Eve now, if they get close to God, it literally will kill them because his presence is perfect. His essence is perfect. What he is is holy and majesty and righteousness exudes from who he is. And to be engaging with them would have killed them in the moment because he loved them so much, he extracted himself from humanity. Humanity continues on, wickedness continues to grow within a matter of years. Their sons kill each one another. There's fights and cursing and hatred. All of a sudden it was not so in God's perfection world. Had Adam and Eve never eating eaten of the fruit we would all be daily walking in paradise with the living God. We would have no shame of nakedness. We'd have no difficulty of engagement. We'd have no hatred, no bitterness, no loneliness, no depression. There would be no wars. There would be no violence. But because their moment of disobedience wickedness took over now every child born from that point forward had in their dna wickedness they had god's nature in their dna the essence of god (sighs) but then also wickedness and that's why it fights within your soul even today goodness versus darkness wickedness versus god's goodness And so for hundreds of years, God had to extract himself from humanity. And so he would engage with humanity, sending people to speak to them, sending messages from heaven, almost text messaging, if you will, or making phone calls, but never face-to-face, never engaging, abiding, aboding within, uh, ever-present in our lives. Could not do that because of his glory and his beauty that would destroy us. He found a people, the people of Israel, that said, we will be your people. And he said, all right, I'll make covenant with you. he makes covenant with them because of their father, Abraham, their great-great-grandfather, Abraham. And in covenant relationship, he says, then this is what we'll do. He says, I want to be with my people so bad. And if I come and abide with you, then what will happen? If my presence is with you, then all the nations of the world will see how good I am and how I treat you. And they'll come and they'll run to me. But that's not all what happened. Humanity become became more and more wicked and more and more vile and more and more perverted because of the sin that permeated every part of their being. God began to interact with the people of Israel. In fact, he took himself and he put his presence into the Ark of the Covenant and they placed that Ark into the inner chambers of the temple and no one was allowed to go in there lest they die. In fact, the highest of highest of priests, the holiest of men, every year would go into that chamber once a year and they would would, would cleanse themselves and come to a place of holiness and they would tie a rope around their leg, bells at the bottom of their garments as they came into the presence of God. And as they came into the presence of God had they not been obedient properly and they would come and had they not cleansed themselves then they would immediately come into his presence and their wickedness would collide with his rightness and it would cause them to die and they would literally pull them out by the rope they would go before the father to repent of the sins of the nation and then do that once a year because he could not abide with us his presence would come down on people. And, and, and Samson would have the presence of God come on him. He'd do great strengths of fi- feats of strength. God's presence would come down on those, and they would prophesy. But he did not abide with us. In 500 B.C., the heavens shut down. For 500 years, the children of Israel had no prophecy, no miracles, nothing supernatural happened. It was as though God had gotten so frustrated that he was cutting them off. Until, until an angel showed up and spoke to Mary and said, you have been favored. Until that, another angel came to Joseph and said, don't put him away. Don't put her away. Because what she carries is the essence of God. God is coming to be with humanity once again. In fact, those angels stood out in the middle of the field at night and in front of a group of shepherds, said it like this in Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And there were shepherds lying, living out in the fields, keeping watch nearby over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Why? Because in 500 years we haven't heard anything from God. But verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, everybody say good news, of great joy that will be for all the people, not just for the priest, not just for the Holy One, for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heaven host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. God is coming to be with you. You'll find him in a manger. You'll find a little baby because he's coming to you not in boldness, not in power. He's coming to you in lowliness so you can engage with him. God is coming back humanity. He's found a way through his son Jesus to abide with his people. He's come back to be with you and I. Friend, we don't celebrate trees and we don't celebrate lights. We don't celebrate gifts. We celebrate that Jesus Christ came to be with us. The brokenness of the relationship has been restored. God's presence can now abide in our life. If you follow the storyline through Multiple times in Jesus' life. Things were happening. Storms would happen one particular time. He and the disciples were in a boat. And a great storm came up and they were all about to die. And they shook him and woke him up. And he stood in front of that great storm in the middle of that hurricane and said, stop. And his presence, his power, who he is, stop the storm, save their lives. If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is with us, then what do we care who's not? If God is for you and with you, and if God is ever present in your life, then let the nations rage. Let the difficulties happen because God is with us. Are you there today? Say yes. This is Christmas. This is what we celebrate today. This is the goodness of our God. Oh, but to the person who has not God with them. I remember that season of my life. I can remember the pain the loneliness, the depression. I can remember that the thorns of life were so quick to stab at me, the T-Rexes of life to attack me. I can remember what it was like not to have God with us. Jesus came to this earth to be with us. He died, he resurrected, and then he poured out his Holy Spirit to abide in us. God forever with us through his Holy Spirit power inside of us. Oh, friend, I tell you today, some of you have gone through some things this year by yourself. You've not let God be with you. Some of you have pushed him aside. You've gotten caught up in the storms of this life, and you look up and you're by yourself trying to make it through, trying to somehow grasp it all. Oh, but when God's with us, the sun doesn't burn the skin. When God's with us, the thorns don't stab at the feet. When God is with us, the shame of our own failures does not take root because God is with us. The question's not, is God with you? The question is, are you with God? You ever seen that couple where she's with him but he's not with her? God came to this earth in the form of a child. We celebrate this at Christmas so that he once again could be with us washing away all of the pains of this old wicked world. The Bible says it like this. He says that if he's for you, then who can be against you? As Jesus spent his last moments on this planet after having died, resurrected, defeated, sickness in the grave, And he gives his last bit of instructions in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. He says to all of his disciples, go and make other disciples. And as he's ascending into the heaven, the last words out of his mouth, the last recorded words of the gospel of Matthew is, I am with you always, Even to the ends of the earth. I don't care if you're staring cancer in the face. God is with you. I don't care if they said we're not going to give you a job when you come back this year. It doesn't matter. God is with you. It doesn't matter if they say they're going to take your house away from you. God is with you. Come on believer. If you know God is with you, shout "Yes." yes. A man sat at the kitchen table with his wife. Contemplating how to solve a problem that had arose. He said, baby, I, he and I just don't like the same things. She said, I know, but he's 10 years old now. And if you don't bond with him, if you don't find a way for you and he to be close, he'll be another statistic of a little boy who grew up not knowing how to be a man. He needs his dad. I know, baby, but I just can't... You know, I grew up playing sports. He doesn't like sports. He doesn't seem to like anything. She says, I know, and I'm watching him fall deeper and deeper into a hole. He's not doing good in school. It's not because he's not smart enough. It's because something is missing, and it's you and his relationship. The dad in that moment committed, I'm going to find a way for us to connect. Weeks went by, thinking through all the different things, One day, he comes home after work. He's got a big box in his hand. He calls up to his son. Son, come down. Come down the stairs. Come see what dad's got. And his little boy comes running down. What is it, dad? What is it? He had a big box. He said, look at it. The picture on the box was a kit of building your own little boat. He said, what what is this? He said, son, I was thinking. What if you and I built our own little boat? boat. We've got a pond down the, sh- down the street here in the neighborhood. We can make our own little boat. We can paint it how we want. And we, can, we can figure out how to do this. And he said, it's a little hobby kit that I found at the hobby store. What if we do that? And then we'll go, we'll go put it in the pond and we'll sail it. It interests the boy. He goes, well, let's see what's in it. He begins to open it. And, and it was a big old block of wood. Instructions on how you could sand it to look like this. You could cut it to look like that. How you could have five cells or six cells or just two cells. Oh, this is awesome, Dad. They went out in the garage that first day, and they began planning what their little boat could look like. They drew up on pieces of paper what this thing could look like. And every day after work, for the next few weeks, the first thing they did when Dad got home, his little boy would meet him at the driveway and say, we're going to work on it today. Yeah, let's go work on it today. And they would get in that garage, and they would laugh, and they would cut, and they would figure, and they would go back and forth weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. till They built the perfect little boat. What color should we paint it, Dad? I don't know. What do you like? I like blue. That's a great color. Let's do that. And as they painted it blue, they dried. little boy said, something's missing. Dad said, I know what it is. We We should put our initials on it. That's it. Right there on the bow of the boat. They signed their initials. Oh, the plan for next week. Was to take it straight out to the pond. And that's exactly what they did. When dad got home, the little boy was waiting for him in the driveway, holding the little wooden boat. They went out to the pond, they sat beside it, and they put the boat in the water. As they pushed it away, a little light breeze began to push it across the pond. And something supernatural happened in that moment. That boy and that dad had accomplished something so great. And they began to talk in ways they had never talked. How was school today, son? Oh, Dad, I got this one guy, he keeps messing with me. Well, have you thought about this? What if you tried to do this? That's a great idea, I've not tried to. Dad, how was work this week? Well, you know, we're going through a few hard things, but I think we're going to get through it. Every day after work, it was the highlight of the day for that man to rush home, change his clothes, grab his little boy, and they walk out to the pond, and they would just sail the boat day in and day out, bonding like a father and son should. One particular Friday, as the little boy stood in the driveway waiting for dad to come home, had some good news to tell him about something that had happened at school that day. The dad didn't come home. The hours began to pass. The sun set. Darkness set over the land. Mom was texting, calling all around. Into the night, finally a sheriff showed up at the door said, I'm sorry to tell you, but there was a terrible accident. I need you to come with me now. As they rushed to the emergency room, they got there right as the dad breathed his last breath. Horrified, destroyed, broken. The little boy just sat in the lobby and cried and cried and cried. Later that week, they had the funeral. It was so sad. All the neighbors said, boy, I remember them always sitting out there floating their boat. They would sit out there for hours and laugh and talk. Never was there a father and son so close. It's going to be hard for him to recover. I don't know how this little boy is going to recover. The school counselor couldn't break through. That little boy fell into a deep, dark place. Didn't want to get out of bed. Didn't want to go to school. Weeks passed when mom brought the little boat into his room and said, what if today you went out and floated the boat in the pond? With all the anger and hurt that a little boy could muster, he said, that's what dad and I did. He's not here anymore. I will never float the boat again. And being a wise mom, she kindly said, yeah, but you know, dad's in your heart. And you found that along that pond was a safe place to talk with him. What if you went back and tried that? Because he's there listening. You may not really hear him talk back, but he's there to hear you. That did something to the little boy. The next day, he got out of bed, went to school. When he got home, the first thing he did was take his little boat. He went down to the little pond, and he put it in the water, and he sat there. Before you knew it, a warmness came over him. He felt as though his dad was there with him, so he began to talk to him. It became his secret place. It became the thing that he did every day after school. He'd go down to the little pond. And there was a particular Friday where something really, really, really good had happened. And he couldn't wait to go sit by the pond and talk to his dad and float the boat. It was the thing that they did. And even though there had been warnings that that the weather was getting bad. And even though there had been concerns that it might storm or rain. The little boy could not miss it with the clouds coming over. And the sprinkling happened. He went out to the little pond anyway. And he put his boat in there. And he began to talk to dad. And before he knew it, like happens every night. Now and again, a great storm came upon the horizon flew across that pond rain began to fall down in sheets and sheets of rain he couldn't see the little boat anymore the water began to rise the wind was waving back and forth blowing back and forth and the lightning was crackling and in a panic moment his mom drove up as the water is rising quickly and she says get in the car we gotta go this is dangerous he goes but my boat I don't know where it's at I can't see it as the pond began to overflow and go off into the drainage ditches and he ran around and mom got out of the car they ran around the pond they looked in all the ditches in the middle of a storm soaking wet but the little boat was gone he cried himself to sleep that night the next day being a Saturday got up and he searched the neighborhoods hours and hours until nightfall came the next day he got up and searched and searched until finally after a few days he accepted the fact it was gone once again began sinking into that dark hole until about a month later he and his mom were downtown shopping and he passed the window of the local pawn shop and what was in that window? his little boat (laughs) oh can you imagine can you imagine the excitement can you imagine the thrill (gasps) oh There it is. You can see our initials on it. He runs inside and the owner of the pawn shop says, young man, can I help you? He goes, yes, you have my boat. You found it. I've been looking for it. Thank you so much. I'd like to get, that's my boat. To which the owner of the pawn shop replied, son, that's not your boat. That's my boat. See, I purchased it a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, 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 but it was mine. My dad and I, we made it. We, we built it. It's ours. And son, I, that may be the case, but I bought it a couple of days ago, and if you want it, you'll have to buy it from me. Yeah, but it's mine. I, my initials are on it. Son, that may be the case, but the only way you can have this boat is if you pay for it. Well, how much is it? It's $50. I'll sell it to you for what I have into it. $50? I don't have $50. He said, son, the only way you're getting this boat back is if you get $50. With all the muster of a little man, he looked into that owner's eyes and he said, sir, I will get the $50. I will have what's mine. Only thing I ask you to do is don't sell it to anyone The owner said, I'll agree to do that for one month. I'll put it behind the counter, but at the end of the month, I'm going to need to get my money back. I'm going to have to sell it. That little boy went about making some money. Think about it. He's got a mom who doesn't have a husband. Their income is probably at the bare minimum. That little boy went knocking on doors in his neighborhood. I will cut your grass. I will clean your garage. Day in and day out after school and on Saturdays, he would go and work. A dollar here, 50 cents there, five dollars there. And it took him all of the four weeks to work for $50. When he got the last $2, he grabbed up all of his money with his little piggy bank. He went down there to that pawn shop and he said, sir, you better still have my little boat. He said, yes, son, I have it right here. You just barely made it. I was about to put it in the window again. Cracked open that piggy bank. There that man counted out nickels and dimes and quarters. A dollar bill, bill here, $5 there. Until he got to the last quarter, $50 on the nose. He said, son, I kept my word. I didn't sell it. You kept your word that you would get the $50. Here's your boat. That little boy grabbed onto that boat, held it so tight, walked outside of that pawn shop, and someone passing by heard him say these words, My dad and I made you. A storm stole you from us. Someone else claimed you. But this day, I redeem you. I want you to understand, God was with humanity in the beginning. Our sinfulness became the storm that stole us away from him but I'd be doggone if he did not work and work. And his son Jesus climbed up on that cross and came to this earth so that he could be with us forever. One day, one day, those who are with God will spend the rest of eternity with God. And those who are not with God will spend eternity with the one that they've been with. The problem with the one that they've served unknowingly is that he's a deceiver. He promises good things, but he's a liar. The God of heaven and earth loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus' announcement by the angels of God that Emmanuel is now in your midst blew the minds of every person in that era. You and I have lived for the last 2,000 years with God's presence on the earth. But they had lived for hundreds of years, thousands of years, without any connection to God other than a text message or a voice from a prophet or a written thing called the Torah. But you and I get to engage with the actual presence of the living God. Today is the day that God has us remember. That his son Jesus was the gift so that you and I could have life. God is with you. I know you've been through some hard things this year, but God is with you. If you're a believer and you love Jesus with all your heart, you may not be perfect and you may stumble and you may fall. But God is with you. You may not get it all right, and you may not do it all right, but God is with you. Can you imagine the seasons of your life? Remember back when God wasn't with you, and the first little thorn that shot up in your life caused you just to lose it all. The first little problem that came along, you didn't have any power over. But when God is with us, thorns get pushed back. When God is with us, T-Rexes bow down. When God is with us, storms stop and come to pause, because God is with you us today as we celebrate the coming of earth to earth of our Savior Jesus Christ it is critical that we reestablish that not only is God with us but we're with him and when the Lord Jesus Christ was on this planet he gave us a task that we were to do periodically to re-engage and refresh our covenant that we're with him.